Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine Blog podcast with me, Toby Webb. And joining me in today's podcast, I'm delighted to say, is Peter Work, who is founder and owner here at Ampelos Vineyard in Santa Rita Hills on the central coast of California. And you can hear one of his lovely dogs snorting and enjoying himself in the background there, but hopefully that won't distract us too much. So welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thank you so much. Welcome to our range here. It's good to have you here, Toby. Toby, just like my nephew in Denmark, Tobias, I know how to pronounce it. But uh, welcome to you and welcome to everybody out there. We're sitting here with a beautiful sunny day overlooking the vineyards. We're in the middle of harvest time here. It's Saturday afternoon, got a bunch of people coming over tonight and we're having a glass of uni. Can't go wrong with that. Nah. Um, now, before we get into your, uh, your triple whammy of certifications, Peter, um, and, uh, and the issues around those, just tell our listeners um, what we're looking at in your vineyard here. What are you growing and what wines are you making? Yeah, it's mostly green what we're looking at. We love the color green. So we're here at our 82-acre ranch that we bought in '99, planted in 2001, initially 15 acres, 10 more acres in 2004, and a little addition in 13. We got... 46,000 vines that we are surrounded by here. It's primarily Pinot Noir, and that is, as everybody out there knows, it is a king of the grapes. It's a, the grape that makes the best wines in the world. And we got two-thirds of our vine vineyard is planted with Pinot Noir. Then we also got some Syrah, we got some Grenache, we got a little bit of Riesling and a tiny bit of Viognier. It is um, vineyards that we've been taking care of since we moved up here. At the end of 2001, we're sitting outside our house, actually my bedroom is right back there. And this is what we do. We're farmers, we farm grapes, and we're winemakers that are making the wines. Well, you've made a lovely 2015 Viognier. Thank you. Um, and it's triply sustainable, apparently. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so it really started out with after our 2005 harvest, our second harvest, we asked our vineyard consultant, what can we do to improve the quality of the grapes? There's nothing wrong with them, but can we do it even better? And he suggested that we looked into organic and biodynamic farming, which he had done at another vineyard with good results. So we did that and decided in the spring of 06 to convert over. We went through a three-year certification program and got certified in 2009 as USDA, Department of Agriculture, Stellar Organic, and also as Demeter Biodynamic Farming. But where organic and biodynamic deals with, quote-unquote, only soil and and the plants and of course also the forces around us we there's more to it than that and that's why we got interested in the way of thinking about sustainability in 2008 there was a pilot program for sustainability certification it's called sip sustainability in practice and when we saw that program out there. We said, that's awesome. We've got to jump into that because the, the thinking of su- behind sustainable uh, grape growing had been out since a big book came out in 2003, a big manual where you can kind of rate yourself. But then everybody started saying, we're sustainable, we're sustainable. And, you know, there was no definition. That's why we welcomed a certification program. We jumped on that and got certified in 08. So with that... 2009, we were the first vineyard in the United States to have all three certifications, which we are very proud of. So, as an organic and biodynamic farmer, Peter, we'll come on to the detail of that in a minute. Does it not rankle with you slightly that other people who don't have to work as hard as you get to call their wine sustainable? Yeah, but, I mean, it is what it is. There's not much we can do about it. People can call them their wines natural. They can call their wines local. I mean, all these words are not defined. 
And of course, it's confusing to the consumer with the different names that's being used. It's just like when you go down in the grocery store and you buy something and it says that the vegetables are natural or they're local. It's kind of a meaningless thing. This is why I use any opportunity I have, whether it's like this on a podcast, winemaker dinners, presentations. Uh, we just did a Facebook Live the other day. And just to, to, to communicate to people the importance of certification. So when you go out and buy a product out there, look for the certification. They mean something. Just because people say they're sustainable, it is, what does it mean? Sustainable, it means that we wake up tomorrow morning, we're still breathing. That's kind of being sustainable. But certifications, they are. So moving on to talk about organic and biodynamic. Um, organic is fairly easily defined, um, and I don't think anybody has any particular differences in how, in how they work organically, particularly if certified. But with biodynamic, you can... Um, you can interpret different bits of it in slightly different ways. And I've met biodynamic winemakers who use bits of biodynamic, and I've met some who go full-on lunar cycles, picking at 2 a.m., 500, 501, 508, the works. Mm -hmm. um, where are you on that spectrum? So let me just take it one step back and, and say on organic, it is actually different. So for instance, so first of all, we've got to remember to distinguish between farming and winemaking. So what happens at the ranch? What happens out at the winery where you make the wine? Those are actually two different certifications. So we're talking about a matrix with three different certifications times two different locations. So you actually have six different certifications mm -hmm. in total. When it comes to organic farming, it is mostly about materials restriction. There are certain things you cannot use. has to be on a certified list. Mm -hmm. When it comes to organic winemaking, there's a big difference between the United States and Europe, for instance, which has to do specifically with use of sulfur dioxide, SO2. In the United States, you cannot use any SO2 in winemaking. You can spray SO2 as much as you want the day before you harvest the grapes, but once you come into the winery, you can't use anything. Go figure that one out, okay? We will never be organic certified in the winery because all of us winemakers, we are making wine with use of SO2. I've tasted wines with, without use of SO2, and mostly, most of them have been undrinkable. They'd be natural but, wines. To well, but what is the definition of natural wines? I make natural wines. I don't add yeast. I don't add malolactic bacteria. Well, they would say I without SOT. Who is they? There's no okay. certification. That's the problem with no, natural. No, I suppose I said, natural I, wine advocates, I, I guess. I see, I call myself natural winemaker mm. because I'm not manipulating it. The only thing I'd use to manipulate my wine in the winery is I use oak barrels. Mm -hmm. I put SO2 into it, just like you do in orange juice and a lot of other things that you buy out there. And it's a naturally occurring substance. It is. It, it's a byproduct of alcoholic fermentation. Alcoholic fermentation makes SO2, so why can you not add any of it? So I can't figure that out. In Europe, you can be organic or bio, uh, biovine, or whatever they call it over there, ecologic wine. You can be organic winery and use it, so too. You just cannot do that in the United States. So, so go the standards are slightly stricter in the U.S. Yeah. in some ways. Yeah, and, okay, absolutely. so that's really interesting. Thank you, Peter. Biodynamics, biodynamics. where okay. are you on the, right. on the spectrum? So the biodynamic, I look at it as being um, three major components. A is that you have the preparations, the nine preparations, BD500 to 508 where you've got, you know, you've got two of them that you spray out there, you've got six of them you incorporate into your compost, and then you finally have the fungicides, mm -hmm. uh, horsetail or equisitum. So where we are is that we use that. We've been converting to that a little over 10 years ago. That's how we do it. So we spray our BD500, 
typically in the late fall, that's a cow manure that's been sitting in cow horns. It's stirred by hand, and it helps to build up and support the microbial activity in the topsoil, very largely. Mm -hmm. We use BD501, which is crystals, that we also we grind them here on the ranch to um, silica, very fine powder, like mm -hmm. flour. We store it in cow horns, and we spray it at a certain point in time. We sprayed it three weeks ago, which is right before harvest. Mm -hmm. We spray it when the shoots are about six inches long. We use the other six preparations, uh, valerian, dandelion, sting, and little oak bark and yarrow, and put those into our compost piles, which you can't see them from here, but we have big compost that we build up with mm -hmm. things from the rain. So right now, when we de-stem and, and press, I bring things back. I actually just have a load on my trailer behind my truck I just brought back here two hours ago because we are de-stemming today. All that goes into the compost, and it gets those six preparations and sit for six months with it. Um, Equisitum as a fungicide, we use that as well. So that's one part, the preparation. The second part is the timing of it, absolutely. So we were picking this week Thursday and Friday, and we're picking Monday and Tuesday because they are either fruit days or they're flower days. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, when the moon is Leo Arius or Sagittarius, those are the days that we call fruit days. That's what Monday and Tuesday are. Mm -hmm. Those are good days to pick. We didn't pick today because it was a, it was a, I mean, it was a water day. It was a leaf day. Okay. So, so you're taking it pretty seriously. Absolutely. And the same thing when we're bottling, we're always bottling on a descending moon and on a root day because that's when flavor stays inside the wine. When we make blending decisions, we do it on ascending moon. So mm. that's where the flavors come better out of the wine, so you can better taste the wine. So you're convinced clearly that mm. it has a beneficial impact yeah, on the flavors good. of the wine. Listen, just go out and look in the vineyard. It's amazing. The, the, the soil is healthier. The plants are healthier. And it's amazing. We do so little manipulation with them out there. No artificial fertilizers. We haven't used that for over 10 years. And the vines are very, very healthy. It really works. And what do other winemakers think when you talk to them about this sort of thing? Do they think you're it's, a bit mad? It's changing. You're a crazy European no, over here. It's well, they do that, but for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the whole thing is changing because it used to be that 10 years ago, you would go into a supermarket and look for a bottle of organic biodynamic wine, and it would be over in the section where you buy tofu. <laughs> but nowadays, it's different. In you go, when you go into the wine stores, it's often right there when you walk in, there's a display. Here's a, are the organic biodynamic wines. When you go look at wine list, you see more and more, you see special pages, you see little icons next to the wines mm -hmm. to indicate sustainable organic biodynamic, to kind of tell people there's something that's really good about this wine. And that's also because that there's more and more demand from the consumer side. People are getting much more conscious about what they put in their body, whether it is the food that they buy down grocery stores, like you know, milk or eggs or bread or whatever, or it's the wine. Because you know that, for instance, here's a really, really interesting example. Um, a few months ago, a, a, a research project that was under United Nations came out that actually proved now that one of the active ingredients in Roundup, which is a weed killer, glyphosate, glyphosate mm -hmm. can actually be traced into the wine. You can find elements yes. of that. Well, and it's, it, e it's everywhere. Yeah, and it is carcinogenic. It will cause cancer. So therefore, when you go down, you guys out there, when you go down and buy a bottle of wine, if you want to make sure that there is not any glyphosates in that wine, make sure that the vineyard was organic, because that is a proof that there were not any herbicide, there was not Roundup used in that range when they found those grapes. I'm seeing a, a trend here when I um, talk to winemakers like yourself of more and more vineyards around here adopting these principles. Yeah. 
how quickly are you seeing it grow? I mean, it's, it's not, Way too it's not slow. a majority at the moment by any means, is no. it? I mean, it's Way too slow. We were the second uh, biodynamic certified vineyard here, and now there's seven or eight. So it's been growing, but just not fast enough. Mm. And it's the same with the sustainable program, is that the vineyards are not just get, are not getting certified fast enough, but we are working on it. I'm on the board of directors of the California Sustainable Program on the Wine Institute and California Association of Wine Grape Growers, and working with the guys there on promoting the program and get the farmers to understand this is the right thing to do. Well, let's hope uh, that can take hold more yeah. quickly because it sounds like it needs to. I think it needs to because we got to take care of the soil. I mean, if we just keep on spraying a bunch of crappy chemicals on the soil, we're just we're destroying the soil. Mm. And the thing is that we don't know what the side effects are of all the nasty chemicals that sprayed in the vineyard or of the nasty chemicals that are used in the winery. Well, we're, yeah, seeing, yeah. we're seeing lawsuits pop up now. I mean, in France, there have been the first court cases yep. suing uh, wine producers and wine um, you know, vineyard owners for, for pesticide use leakage into into human human health issues. Yeah. A big protest recently about this. Um, it seems to be very much a, a growing there's growing awareness. About the dangers of it, it's moving in the right direction. Mm. Not fast enough uh, for me, but it's moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Great. Well, Peter, work. Thank you so much for your time today. That seems like a, a good place to end the podcast. Mm.